Good morning. It is December 28th. It is six minutes after 10. It is the Kendall and Casey show on 93 WIBC. Thank you for listening this morning. Rob Kendall has the day off. And in his place, we have Brian Baker joining us. Good morning, Brian. Good morning. Thank you for having me on as a B-team player here, mm. uh, Casey. It's a joy to join you. And, uh, <laughs> you know, are, aren't we all grateful for this opportunity to uh, speak to the fine people of Indianapolis and all those listening online, including my parents who are probably tuning in as well, even mm-hmm. though they're staying with us and we have plenty of chances to visit, but I'm sure they're listening to the show. Well, they're obligated. The other people we're going to have to pay, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Let, up. Let's talk about what's going on with the libs of TikTok. So the oh. Identity behind the viral Twitter account, Libs of TikTok, has been revealed. Her name is Chea Rachik, and she went on Tucker Carlson the other day, and she put uh, her face with the formerly anonymous account. Of course, her profile, she was doxxed. She wanted to be anonymous, and then she was doxxed by the Washington Post, and she decided, well, y'all know who I am. I guess I'm going to have to come out and talk about it. And uh, she revealed on Tucker Carlson why she... She came out and she pretty much said at this point, she's done all that she can do with the Twitter account, Libs of TikTok. She's exposed them and now it's time to up her game and go even farther. And she can't do that while remaining anonymous. And since they've already put her face out there and her address and her name, that she might as well just embrace it and keep going with her message. I mean, that's the interesting thing about this is that in the end, they ultimately did her a favor Mm -hmm. because now she's going to have a much larger platform. She's going to benefit from being on a a larger platform and having access to people that she maybe didn't before. So in the end, I mean, even though it was very frightening, I'm sure, for her because she was ambushed essentially with this with being doxxed. But look at how she has managed to turn that around on them. So I give her a lot of credit and frankly libs of tiktok i'm not a big fan of twitter i primarily use it to harass the president of the united states but i do follow that account and i must say it's as funny as it is terrifying Mm. (laughs) yeah well she was uh speaking with tucker carlson and she shared her feelings on the content let's take a listen i think there's um there's something so unique about the LGBTQ community has become this cult and it's so captivating and it pulls people in so strongly, unlike anything we've ever seen. Um, and they they brainwash um, people to join and they convince them of all of these things. Um, and it's really, really hard to get out of it. It's really difficult. And, and there are studies on this. Like there have been there's been a lot of reporting on this about people uh, parents who are like, you know, my child is is starting to say, you know, that they're non-binary or transgender or whatever. And how, what do I do? How do I how do I stop this? And it's really, really difficult. 
So she said that she started doing libs of TikTok because it was during the pandemic and she was just discovering the app TikTok like a lot of people. And she said she was seeing all of these videos and she couldn't believe what was being expressed. Adults allegedly sexually exploiting children under the guise of progressive rhetoric. And some of it included sexually explicit and gender ideology content from inside classrooms. And her point was to make an encyclopedia of crazy almost like let's put it all in one place so you can see all of it and she never really editorialized anything she didn't post a lot of it with any comments or opinions it was just a landing place for it and she said that these progressives and blue hairs or whatever they want their content out there but they don't want us to see it. So they're allowed yeah. to post it, but we're not allowed to notice it. So the crime is noticing what they're doing. Yeah, which, I mean, that's part of the twisted ideology right there. But this is, when she talks about how it's really become a, a, a political movement, that's the challenge right there. And that is where I think a lot of people get lost and falsely are accused of being bigoted or, uh, you know, uh, or racist, because racist is the catch-all term for everything now. But it's one thing when you are just designating, uh, you know, your, yourself and saying, well, uh, this is my sexual preference. But when it becomes a political movement and when you're trying to uh, you know, influence the education system and get into areas where you really don't belong, and it's so sick the way they do it because, uh, well, you know, it's all for the children and they will cite you all of these statistics about how kids are, are, are killing themselves if they're struggling with these issues. You know, there's a way that we can be sensitive to kids that find themselves in this situation without having to get into a political war. But the challenge now is that some kids, I think, Uh, Number one, they become confused. I mean, listen, for the most part, kids kind of naturally sort of know these things and figure them out on their own until we start screwing them up with stuff and not leading them as parents, just saying, well, they can make the choice. No, they can't. They're four. They're five. They're six years old. It's your job as the parent to lead them and guide them. Mm -hmm. But on top of that, it has become the new tattoo or, uh, you know, having purple hair or or, uh, getting your ear pierced. I mean, there's something about this generation that is embracing this as a way of somehow establishing an identity that separates them from their friends and makes them special. Mm. And when it goes so far as to mutilating their bodies, that's where they've now made a decision that their parents have sanctioned that is going to have horrific ramifications for them throughout life. And there are plenty of people out there that got caught up in it at a young age, and they are now speaking out against it and trying to, to get things to go back the way they were and not be pushing this kind of crap down these kids' throats because they're not in a developmental stage that they are capable of handling it. And that's what she was saying, that it's a form of brainwashing and that it is so hard to get out of it once you're in it. Her account faced lots of hurdles, not only from critics, but also censorship from big tech. And the interesting part of that is that she did not 
express a lot of opinions about it. She just reposted. Somebody else was making this content and she was just reposting it. And yet her accounts were the ones, was the one that was being suspended or censored. And she said that a lot of parents groups reached out to her asking for help. And she was getting a lot of requests from people to expose and push back against the left. And she said, well, since she's been doxxed and her name and face is out there, she's now she's going to keep going. She's making plans for speaking engagements and she hopes to become more involved. And this is somebody who had she was apolitical. She she had zero. I mean, she obviously had her own opinions and thoughts, uh, but had never done anything about it in the past. So this is a hobbyist who has turned activist. And if you look at it that way, she is it's somewhat inspiring to people who are maybe listening to us and it gets them angry, but they've never done anything about it before. Well, take a look at this woman. I'm sure she would tell you that it has not been an easy process for her to go through being doxxed by the Washington Post and the hateful, uh, you know, comments that come at her. It's uh, probably very unsettling and not easy for her, but she's she's turning it around and, and doing something about it. Well, and I also just quickly here, Casey, want to point out that as much destruction that was brought as a result of the pandemic, there was one really good thing that came out of it, which is that parents started paying attention to what their kids were being told in schools. Mm -hmm. They got focused again. And that really is is critical because there's been a lot of damage done. Uh, There have been uh, some of this is decades in the making, but. Parents, it's tough, man. You're busy. The cost of living is so much higher. And so you've got two working parents and there's the stress of being able to provide, plus all of the other garbage that we've had to deal with here over the last couple of years. And so it's very easy to get distracted and not be invested daily in what your child is learning and being told. And it is so critical because ultimately, if you are not able to be involved, you're putting their future in other people's hands. And I'm just not comfortable with that, at least with my family. Yeah. It is 15 minutes after 10. This is the Kendall and Casey show on 93 WIBC. Good morning. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. 18 minutes after 10, it is the Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC. And Brian Baker joins us. Rob Kendall has the day off. So yesterday, the Supreme Court allowed Title 42 border restrictions to remain in place for now, putting on hold the removal of the policy, which was set to end. The court ruled five to four in favor of an emergency request by Republican attorneys general from 19 states. They sought to intervene in defense of the Trump era policy. So um, the Supreme Court is now running border security because President Biden has not. Is is that what we're doing now? Is, is that what's going on? 
Well, you know, this was interesting to me, Casey, because, uh, you know, looking a little bit into the the history of Title 42, I mean, it was an existing piece of legislation. Mm -hmm. But this does show you that effective legislation can, in fact, help curb some of the challenges that we've got at the southern border. It's not the the panacea. I mean, it's not going to fix everything. But you see that it can be very effective and make a huge difference. So the trick now is the the Trump administration was able to utilize that that, uh, Title 42 in order to accomplish something that, you know, was it really intended originally for this? No, but they've been able to extend it. They Mm -hmm. found it's been effective. And so we have to have some replacement legislation to come up and, you know, hopefully uh, be able to accomplish some of the same things that we've been able to do under Title 42. A lot of people feared that if Title 42 was removed, there would be a huge surge of immigrants crossing the border, more so than what we're currently seeing. I don't know if you've seen any of the videos lately, Brian, but there's like a huge tent being erected in Texas. They've got the cargo containers by the Arizona border, which the Biden administration said they have to remove because that's on federal land. But the governor there is saying, well, (laughs) you know, you're not helping us. And um, it's you've got human smugglers who are on American soil taking payment from people as they're crossing the border. It's just the gumption and the gall. They don't care. I mean, border agents are right there watching them and they were unable to stop them and they just, they're taking their payment and smuggling more people across the border. And it's um, just... Everybody's saying, oh, you know, Abbott sent these flights of these people, um, you know, and and that's not charitable. And how can you do that? It's a it's a crisis for everybody on everybody. The people, the immigrants who are trying to get in, the people who live in these cities and these communities that they're coming into, the border agents who are trying to process everybody legally and. Yeah the governors of these states that have to handle all of the it's just and and what is our president doing well yeah he's on I, vacation I, brian he he got on a plane and he went down to st croix when all yes. of this is happening that's what our president is doing him and jill biden enjoying 84 degree weather on a caribbean island in st croix well, uh, look at the positive side. If he's uh, not in Washington, maybe he'll do a little less damage. But yeah, you mentioned, have I seen the videos? Have I seen the pictures? Yes, I have. I don't know that the Biden administration has really looked at that. And I would love to get inside of Joe Biden's uh, own head, as frightening as that might be, and kind of see what's going on and, and what his true uh, view is of what's happening down there. What is truthful that's coming out of his mouth versus just playing along with party politics? Mm-hmm. Because we know that when the surge happened at the border, there were conversations that were taking place behind the scenes where he was incredibly angry and frustrated. Now, whether he was angry about the situation itself or how it was going to impact his presidency and his legacy, that is somewhat in question. But there's this idea that somehow we're being compassionate if we just allow everybody in. It's not compassionate not when, when children are being streets. trafficked. Yeah, no, no, no none of it. 
It's not compassionate when people are dying in semi-trailers from, from heat. That's not compassionate. You know, what would be compassionate is to put forth policies that allow us to address some of these problems, but we also have to be realistic. There's no way that we are going to save every single person that wants to flee where they were born or where they are stuck and wants to come to the United States. It's just not a reality. I know that is so difficult for us in this John Hughes generation, this uh, happy fairy tale legends, all of this stuff that we've been brought up on. There should be some perfect solution. It doesn't exist, especially in politics. You have two choices, this choice, which is bad, or this choice, which is also bad, but a little bit less bad than this. That's how you make good, that's how you, you put forth legislation, how you make good decisions in government. You take a look at what the benefits are and what the drawbacks are, and there you make your decision and let that be your guide, knowing that there's going to be some fallout and some negative consequences as a result of making the best decision. It's not about the right decision as much as it is about making the best decision, and your job, first and foremost, sir, as President of the United States, is to take care of the needs of the American people. Our needs come first. I know that sounds a little bit arrogant and uh, elitist, but it is the fact that we live in this country and pay into the system, and we are depending upon you to protect us, to protect our citizens, protect our children, and that has to be the priority. Well, he was asked about this right before he left for vacation in St. Croix, and he said that Title 42 is overdue. What's your reaction to Title 42? I know it's hard. Isn't to- it amazing? It's, how his mumbling and and him delivering a speech sound oddly familiar, yeah, or, or oddly the same. Yeah, it, <laughs> the it, lack of coherence. It's hard to hear him over the jet noise, but uh, you know he had to get on that plane. He has spent more time on vacation than Trump did, than Obama did, and even Bush did. Forty percent of his time in the White House spent on vacation, and there he goes again. Eighty-four degree weather, warm mm-hmm. in the Caribbean. He's his plane wasn't delayed. <laughs> he got to his destination on time. You bet he did. And let's listen. Uh, Trump came out and he outlined his immigration plan. And it, this is kind of long. We're not going to play the whole thing, but I wanted you to hear just a bit of it. Uh, this is more than what we've heard from the other guys. Far more illegal immigrants have entered the United States in the last two years than at any time in American history and by a massive margin. We've never seen anything like it. Our country is under invasion. Days ago, 16,000 illegal aliens were encountered crossing the border in a single 48-hour period. A colossal migrant caravan recently poured across the Rio Grande and into the streets of El Paso, Texas, and the people and the police didn't know what to do about it. It is truly a massive invasion. Any form of amnesty now would be a catastrophe. It rewards Joe Biden's lawlessness, and it rewards the criminal cartels, and it rewards everyone who has broken the laws of our nation. 
because they've never done anything to our country like they're doing right now. Our country. So Donald Trump talking about yeah. immigration, and that's more than we've heard from Biden, who you know has said that he's working on it. He's also said there's more important things going on in the country. Uh, yeah, and but, he's never you know, been to the border. Let's remind you of those things. Yeah, well, and Trump, what he said, everything there is true. But we all know what the problem is. What is the solution, mm-hmm. the viable solution? That's what I want to hear from yeah. any candidate that's running. No more stop gaps. It is 1027. It's the Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC. Kendall and Casey show on 93 WIBC. Brian Baker is filling in for Rob Kendall today. It was the day off, but we still have your phone calls to get to. The phone number 317-684-8444. And uh, we invite your questions, comments, or smart remarks. So yesterday, Brian, we were talking about this story out of Washington, King County, I believe it was in, where the county said that you could not have any sort of religious symbols in your home during a Zoom call. So nothing in the background. They're saying you have to remove everything in the background. And uh, somebody gave us a phone call and their thoughts about that. Hey there, it's Tim from Fortville. Hey, I was just listening to the mess, the story about the um, the Colfax County or Seattle, Seattle anywhere, and anyway, and the and not wanting people to have religious symbols or Christmas symbols or yada yada yada, you know, visible in their homes when they're on Zoom calls. I I, I wonder if that, you know, because they're they're afraid that that might offend somebody in the office or a potential client. I wonder if that also extends to pride flags or Black Lives Matter flags. Hmm, food for thought. See you guys later. Great show. Bye. Okay, so that was what I was kind of talking about yesterday, Brian, and you and I disagreed on that a little bit. Uh, He's mentioning what about other symbols that might be offensive? Well, listen, I I mean, I don't know. I don't know that we were necessarily at odds on this whole thing. I I, I think it's unfortunate. and I think it should be a universal policy. If you're going to, to institute that kind of a rule within your business, then yes, it absolutely should apply to Black Lives Matter and and uh, to the trans community. It does seem as though they are uh, a, a bit better at, at making uh, noise and causing hassles. And sometimes I think uh, folks just don't want to deal with that. But sometimes I think decisions get made like this and they specifically are targeting organizations like that. But but they know, okay, well, if this has to be a universal rule, uh, uh, just applied across the board, and then we're less likely to get sued or have a problem. Because, frankly, I mean, is there anyone out there that really is going to be deeply offended if they see a cross in the background? Mm. Probably not. Right. You know, that, right. I mean, Christianity is really, uh, you know, there's some folks that just feel it's highly divisive, but for the most part, that's not going to get people stirred up. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry, like, things have changed dramatically. And so, uh, again, I guess I go, if I'm running a business, um, I have my personal beliefs, and then I have a responsibility to not only turn a profit, but also be able to take care of my employees and make sure that they get to keep their jobs. And so I sort of have to put the interests of the business ahead of my own personal interests and beliefs. Mm -hmm. Okay, 317-684-8444. That's the phone number. And we haven't gotten to this yet, but we will. We are going to talk about George Santos. And somebody called and had something to say about him. 
Yeah, Casey, here's one uh, maybe a producer or somebody can put together. You know, they're giving this uh, Santos uh, representative for falsifying his resume. Well, somebody will put together something like, you know, our uh, fearless leader, uh, Uncle Joe, yeah. uh, I think he said he drove a semi one time. Uh, he's, uh, I thought I heard something one time. He was a uh, Puerto Rican descent. And also here a while back, I thought I heard him saying something of the fact that when he was in college, he had an opportunity to, uh, turn, uh, to be a pro football player, but the list goes on. So somebody needs to put something together like that. And you can't blame the Santos if he did falsify his resume. Well, Hey, our fearless leaders done the same thing, got away with it. So, that is food for thought. Bye. Okay, so we're going to talk about Representative-elect George Santos coming up in just a little while. But uh, to let everybody know, this is a guy who <laughs> fabricated his bio. He he lied on his resume. He bent the truth. He, he was not uh, fully forthright in his facts. And he was elected, and now he's being called out on everything that he did. But to this... Uh, this caller's point yeah our president does it all the time but we can't just excuse that well if he can do it i can do it but yes i do remember when he president biden claimed he used to drive an 18 wheeler didn't happen <laughs> he also oh, can said you imagine him doing that now oh, how comfortable would you feel he can't even drive a bicycle <laughs> let alone an 18-wheeler. Uh, Biden also said that he visited the uh, Pittsburgh Tree of Life synagogue, and the rabbi said, no, nah, he's never been here. Biden at one point, do you remember, he said that his house burnt down with his wife in it, and he said she got out safely. It was just a minor kitchen fire. You know, I, I only delight in this because I know inside the Trump administration, every time he sent out a tweet, there were people within there going, no, no. And I know that the same thing must be happening with the Biden's handlers. And I, I just delight in it to no end. And yeah, is there any more prolific plagiarist and uh, life hyper than Joe Biden? Joe driving an 18 wheeler. God, that would give me nightmares. You know, and a Joe's lot of- bringing him across the border in his free time. Well, and, and for a long time, people have been saying, oh, he's a gaff master. You know, he makes all of these fumbles and mistakes all the time. I don't know if it's necessarily a gaff. Many times he's just a flat out liar. And he probably views himself as this wise sage who's sharing his personal tales. He's trying to connect with the audience. And instead, yeah. he, he just comes off like Grandpa Walnut with ramblings that don't make any sense. Uh, and if... Joe Biden were ever to write a book, it would definitely be <laughs> fiction. <laughs> All right. We've got one more phone call. And you know, uh, Brian, this is a highly successful, highly rated radio show and yes. uh, across the country. It, just yesterday, we had somebody saying hello to us from California. So we, we reached the masses and, and sometimes just last week the lieutenant governor was walking down the hallway so you never know who's going to be in the building you never know who's going to call but i i believe this next phone call is someone someone we've all heard of oh uh, yeah this is uh, Pete Moon, mayor pete i'm the uh, transportation secretary for the biden administration 
I just wanted to let you guys know that these airline cancellations are completely unacceptable. I am going to write a very strongly worded letter to the CEOs and let them know that they have to fix this or else me and my size eight hush puppies are going to come down there and we're going to have words. <laughs> Love you guys. Hi, Kevin. Uh... Hi, Casey. You guys are the best. More Pete here. <laughs> Mayor Pete. <laughs> that wasn't well, uh, really Mayor Pete, was it? <laughs> uh, celebrity voices impersonated, but uh, that is pretty accurate in terms of how Pete Buttigieg handled things, and, and now, you know, is beating his chest and bragging about it. Mm-hmm. He's a joke. His size eight hush puppies are going to go down there, and they're going to have words. Okay, one last story that I wanted to share. Uh, did you see about the bandmates' journey? There's a yeah. problem within the band okay so uh-huh. two two members of journey they're battling it out so jonathan kane who's the keyboardist for journey he performed don't stop believing at a donald trump event and then the guitarist neil Schoen filed a cease and desist order following the performance <laughs> saying that you got to keep politics out of the band Uh, And Neil Schoen said that Mr. Kane has no right to use journey for politics. Uh, And this has happened plenty of times in the past. Tom Petty's been involved in this. Um, Fleetwood Mac in the past has used their... The Foo Fighters specifically came after uh, Mm -hmm. a show at WIBC. Yeah. So uh, how do you feel about a band capitalizing on their music to help push... A politician's message you know is this one of those stay in your lane don't get involved i think just you know it it goes back to what i was just talking about with uh, the heads of organizations when they really make uh strong political comments I, i just i would rather they keep their focus on the band and not not taint it not uh have it become a a band that is seen as somehow divisive um yeah i i mean and i think a lot of times there are probably cease and desist orders that are issued that are done so primarily, you know, I, I assume it's generally by folks that are on the left, but there are conservatives in California. There are conservatives in the entertainment business. And sometimes I think they just don't want to split or damage their brand. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't it, know. I, is I, it really the band, though, when it's just the keyboardist and he's just by himself? He doesn't have. I mean, clearly Steve Perry's not there anymore. Uh, You know, Kane shot back and he said, I'm I'm done airing our dirty laundry. And he told his bandmates to look in the mirror. But we actually do have some audio of the event. And there is there is corresponding video that goes along with it. And it looks like uh, Newt Gingrich is talking with Donald Trump and Carrie Lake is on stage uh, dancing with Marjorie Taylor Greene. And they're all jammed. And don't stop believing. Take a listen. <laughs> no, we misinterpreted this story entirely, Casey. Now I understand what happened here. This wasn't about politics. They just wanted them to stop because it's really, really bad. <laughs> 
It's Kendall and Casey show on 93 WIBC. Good morning. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. This is the Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC. Brian Baker filling in for Rob Kendall today. I'm a teenage girl again. (laughs) Hey, Nigel's in the studio. Hey, Brian. What's going on, man? Hey, Nigel. How are you, pal? Glad you made it in this thing. Brian and I are doing the show tomorrow. Are you? When Hammer is out. Mm -hmm. And uh, I heard you guys talking about Top Gun yesterday. You streamed it on. You you finally watched it on your your flat screen at home. Brian and I are guys that went to the movie theater to see it. But I'm excited because I I showed it to my 11-year-old last night. He was into it. Okay, so all right. did you start I mean, with the first one or Top Gun no, Maverick? No, the, the Maverick. Okay. You like that scene in the opening uh, where he's flying that, that gigantic, you know, futuristic airplane trying to get to Mach 10. Mm-hmm. He really loved that scene. <laughs> we didn't finish the entire movie, but it was awesome. And I'm curious, uh, there's another a news story today. I want to get Brian's take on it because Brian works in the movie industry. You're a stuntman down in Georgia. Mm-hmm. The movie industry is thriving down there in Georgia because of the tax breaks and stuff. Um, Avatar. Have you seen Avatar? Will you go to see Avatar? Uh, I have no... I have no interest in uh, seeing the sequel because I had no interest in the original. I'm just one of those guys, Nige, that I never got into the special effects and the CGI and all this other crap that people pour money into. I understand why it's profitable for Hollywood because these movies do very well overseas and the international markets are so important. But no, I have zero interest and I really don't want to support anything that James Cameron is behind. I just don't like that guy. Well, there's a couple, there's a couple of things. Wait a second. Is there a <laughs> story there <laughs> let's just say that uh i i have friends who have worked on his sets and um uh he's a um it, is it okay to say ass bag is that, oh. is that right <laughs> well you well. just did uh, i guess we'll we'll find out we'll find out later but i did think it was interesting that the second week in the box office uh, avatars uh, the income dropped the attendance dropped 56 yeah. percent mm-hmm. in its second week now there's a big winter storm last week and it was christmas weekend as well but yeah, I, but a lot of families go to the movies or well they yeah. used to now you now they're possibly now, sitting around the TV no, streaming. I heard you guys talking about that yesterday, man. I, you know, Brian, there's been some incredible movies that have done extremely well at the theater, even dating back to as as long ago as uh, the end of 2020, beginning of 2021 with uh, Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, but I, I just thought it was curious that Avatar, and, and I feel like the, Avatar is this kind of this played storyline where evil white oppressive corporations go and uh, trample out peaceful indigenous harmonious uh, populations and every you know it's it's the same old thing again and again and again. I'm just like rolling my yeah. eyes about it, you know. Yeah, I mean it, it's political uh, messaging. Yes. But the other issue that I have with James Cameron here lately is. That in promoting this film, he talked about how he cut 17 minutes because he didn't want to fetishize guns. Yes! And I thought, okay, the guy who did the Terminator movies <laughs> is now all of a sudden taking a stand. Oh, good for you. Big boy, you brave, brave man. But that's a bigger issue in Hollywood, I feel like, when it 
comes to guns. I mean, you know, Hollywood, for as much as they wag their finger at the Second Amendment and, you know, guns, they sure depict it a lot in their movies. Mm -hmm. John (laughs) Wick. Uh, with Keanu Reeves, badass movie. I love John Wick. Yeah, but but you know, for if you're Hollywood wagging their finger at everybody, you know, ad- admonishing you for for the guns and your gun rights, they sure do depict gun violence mm-hmm. an awful lot in their movies. By the way, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, Nigel, but the John Wick movie was actually written by someone who was a Taylor grad. Taylor yep. University. Yeah, yep. the, the Christian University up up north. Yep. No kidding. Yep. Yeah, no, man. I didn't know yeah. that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah my buddy Jay Fry, uh, I, I learned about that, but my buddy Jeremy Fry, who's a big deal in the stunt community, like he, he's way up at the top and I'm way at the bottom of the ladder, but um, he did all the driving and taught Keanu Reeves to do all the driving for those films. That's and, awesome. Man, they are amazing. They have great action sequences in it. And it's all legit, awesome. no CGI. But you see, Casey, Avatar is going to make, it's made, it's made decent, uh, mm-hmm. I think it's made 800, $800 million worldwide or something like that in its first couple of weeks. When it's going to need to break, Brian, I thought this was crazy, one to two billion dollars to break even. <laughs> yeah. And they're on. They're not even on par. To give an example, so uh, box office figures dropped 56% for Avatar mm-hmm. over the first week, mm-hmm. first and second week. In 2009, for the first Avatar, box office numbers dropped 2%. Oh, wow. That's a so they huge got some, drop. They, they got some work to do. I don't know if I'm going to go see it or not. My, I, I don't know if it's kid-friendly or not i didn't see I, the first one oh, I, I did zero desire no desire yeah. at all to see the first one so of course i'm not going to go to the second one but here's the thing you think that that's a big gamble when they put that kind of money into a film but what happens at the studios now i mean you want to talk about ai they have systems in place and software where you can input okay well this is the uh, the plot line and this is who the star is and all these different variables and the computer itself will make an estimate on what the profitability of that film is and uh, based on uh, okay wow. if we put this amount of budget into it and mm-hmm. so they're trying to they're making movies based on this uh, this science of uh, of a computer instead of just making really great films and it's really hard to find a surprisingly good film that just comes out of nowhere these days what okay so i, I want to see i think there have been some good films now films and i haven't seen i haven't seen that latest spider-man and i know i'm behind the uh, behind the eight ball on that one um but i mean top gun for example mm-hmm. did huge mm-hmm. what are some, yeah. you know some of the other animated ones have been doing well so i do think people are going back to the movie theater uh, and I know you guys kind of talked, went back and forth about that yesterday, but mm-hmm. I'm going to the movie theater this Saturday to see Puss in Boots with my kid. Oh, well, that's because you're taking you. your kid. Yeah. I mean, is this, a, <laughs> hopefully you're taking a kid. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I am. I'm really yeah. invested in Puss in Boots. And Nigel sitting there in the movie theater by himself <laughs> with some popcorn. I thought this movie like was totally theory. different. I don't know <laughs> that it was going to be. Uh, but if it were for a kid's movie, is there an adult movie that you're interested right in? Right now? Yeah. Oh, Brian, you know what's out there. I don't even know what's out there. No, exactly. not really. Exactly. I don't even know so, what's out there. But you- Listen, as a guy who was uh, who did some stunts for Black Panther 2, yeah. avoid that film at all costs. It yeah. sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Are yeah. you going to go to the matinee when you see Puss in Boots? Yeah, well, we're going to uh, the Flicks Brew House in Carmel. So the only oh, way nice. I could get through these, the only way I could get through these kids' movies is because they serve beer. <laughs> Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to handle it. 
You're getting, you're getting you're get nudged halfway through because you're snoring. Wake up! Oh, uh, what do you have coming up this afternoon, uh, Nigel? Hopefully commercial airline pilot Mike Hatton's going to break down what exactly is going on with Southwest and these flight cancellations. All right. Guy Relford filling in today, too. Cool. Thank you. It's the Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC.